Welcome back to the Young Adult Novels Podcast. I am starting a brand new book. It is called The Immortal Mage Chronicles, and I've already done chapters one and two. Um, they are titled Book Two, Chapters One, or Book Two, Chapters Two. Check that out. Facebook page at YA Audio Podcast. Check that out. I'm going to get right into the story here. Um, this is Chapter Three I Get Visions. Calissa waits until the end of her last class before heading to Mr. Lima's room. He's wiping off the whiteboard when he hears her enter and then looks over his shoulder to see who has intruded in on his space. Smiling, he stops wiping the board and holds the cloth in his left hand as he leans his back against the board. New student, right? Mr. Lyman says in his former greeting. Yes, Calissa nods. I'm Calissa Tillman, and this is my first time at this school. Mr. Lyman's smile seems to increase. Ah, you must be one of the smart ones, he tilts his head. Only my top students come to see me after class. Most find my subject boring. <laughs> Not at all. Calissa feels her body lurching forward to say, Boring. I mean, I think I can be a top student, actually. That's why I stopped by. I was doing some independent research on increasing white blood cells. Is there any type of herb that can increase that or a spell? Mr. Lyman gets a grim expression on his face. Now, is this for a specific reason? Mr. Lyman seems to get where Calissa is going with this. Cancer, she replies with one word. There is no magic potion that can just fix cancer. Mr. Lyman shakes his head. Mixed together with a healing spell, some herbs like Panax, ginseng, vincristine, and taxanese can help prolong a life. Far longer than any normal medicine could. But there's no spell to just end cancer. Calissa doesn't know what she was hoping for, but utterly disappointed, wasn't it? She feels winded, gutted even. That teeny flicker of optimism she was clinging to feels like it is completely diminished now. Look. Mr. Lyman leans closer and practically whispers into Calissa's right ear. There are some mages who will practice extreme spells that go against the laws of nature and magic. They could probably cure cancer and even cause it. I don't practice such arts, so I wouldn't know. Calissa gets the feeling he's lying. Calissa pulls away and looks to the man. She understands, though. There's nothing that can be done today. While Calissa would want more than nothing to be able to get an answer, and she's willing to go to such extreme lengths for her grandmother, that woman would heal herself just enough to actually kill Calissa for even thinking about doing something that goes against the rules of nature. Magic, like he's talking about, it comes at a cost. 
Some people call those who practice spells against the laws of magic druids. Some say they are merely mages who practice forbidden arts, dark magic. All Kalissa knows is that practicing such magic takes a toll on your soul piece by piece until there's no rationalization left, just a corrupt spirit. Calissa's grandmother would never want that for her. Thank you for your time, Calissa finally gains a voice to say. Her chest feels heavy, like there's some form of weight just sitting right on it, unmoving. Maybe there is, like the burden of inadequacy. I'm here if you need me. Mr. Lyman places a comforting hand on Calissa's shoulder, but she can't help it. She shakes off the contact. Her skin feels like it's itching at the touch. Sorry, I don't like being touched, she admits. Comes from a troubled childhood, I'm sure. She tries to laugh it off, and Mr. Lyman seems to understand. He opens his mouth to say something else when in walks Zinc, black backpack hanging off his left shoulder. There you are, Zinc smiles genuinely and nods his head for Calissa to come closer. I was looking all over for you. Let me walk you back to your room, he offers. He doesn't even pay Mr. Lyman any attention and the teacher looks mildly annoyed at the rudeness. Mr. Meyer, always lovely to see you too. Mr. Lyman deadpans. Zinc salutes and turns to walk out the door, winking to Calissa as they enter the nearly empty hallway. Uh, He's mad at me still because I slept in his class, every class back when I was 13, Zinc explains. Calissa can't help but chuckle a bit at this. It didn't help that Trevor always gave me his notes and I aced all of Mr. Lyman's tests. Ah, Calissa smiles but says no more. She's not sure what to say as they head down another corridor, her leading the way. So, Zinc seems to be trying to fill in the silence. Dean Truman, she's your mother, right? Calissa nearly walks into a stone column. She's so shocked. How did you... She racks her brain to see how he could possibly know unless Leo says something. I get visions. Zinc peers one eye at her, and she feels herself clamming up. Well, in history, I had a vision of you, another woman in a bedroom. You were packing. And when that other woman walked in, she saw a photo of a woman and placed it face down on the dresser. I assume that was your grandmother in the room, and the woman in the photo was your mother. You would be right. Calissa's throat feels tight, and she recalls the last day she was back home with her grandmother. How much did you see? She can't help but fidget with her ear cuff and her finger rings, a nervous habit she's yet to break. I know you're keeping a secret that your grandmother told you to keep, Zink replies, and Calissa fights the urge to freeze and flee. I don't know what the secret is. Nor is it any of my concern. But you looked so sad in the vision. You seemed so alone. I think the secret is a part of the reason. Calissa does stop walking at this. Some people brush past them, but she can't seem to move. Her eyes remain placed on the floor. She looks at her shoes. She grips the straps of her bag tight and allows them to hug her back as she wills her mind to calm down. She is sad.
Incredibly so. But it's something she's learning to deal with by herself. Now she has some stranger peeking into the private moments of her life. It feels like an invasion of privacy. You you can't just... She doesn't know what she wants to say, but all of a sudden she feels like crying. There's a lump forming in the back of her throat. I don't try to get visions, they just come. Zinc's voice is calm, like he understands. One moment I'm in class learning about immortals, and the next thing I know, I'm getting a vision of you. Just know, no matter what vision I get of you, if it's private, I won't tell anyone. I was raised better than that. Calissa doesn't know why, but hearing this makes her feel a little bit better. It must be horrid. To get all sorts of visions without warrant has to be hard on Zinc. She wouldn't feel right holding him accountable for something he can't control. Well, thank you, she tells him because she can't say anything else. Sure thing. Zinc shrugs. I was wondering, though, is your grandmother just sick or is she protecting you? Calissa looks up in complete bewilderment. Look, it's not my place. Never mind. I'm sorry I said anything. No! Calissa shouts without meaning to be so loud. Please speak your mind. Could her grandmother be protecting her? The thought never crossed Calissa's mind. Your grandmother placed your mother's photo face down. Zinc starts. That means there's some serious hatred there. Based on that alone, I can't imagine her just sending you off to be with your mother without serious consideration. More than just being sick. I mean, you're 16 now. You can take care of yourself, so why send you here? Why not wait until she dies? Does she want to die alone? Calissa's glad she's short, so her falling to the ground doesn't hurt. She's never thought of that. She never saw her grandmother go to any doctor's appointments. One day, the woman was coughing up blood and she was just sick. It wasn't natural. didn't seem right and Calissa never questioned it. Does that mean her grandmother wanted Calissa out the way in case there was some type of harm coming her way? Was the woman just protecting Calissa? That certainly seems like something in a male would do. I never... Calissa doesn't finish her thoughts, but Zink seems to understand anyways as he reaches out a hand to help her stand up. You should call her. Zink suggests, in the meantime, I would like to be your friend. No one should be alone. If you have any secrets, feel free to keep them to yourself or share or whatever. I don't like to judge. Thank you. Her heart actually feels like it's going to burst. It's so full. I doubt Abigail will like you being friends with me, though. They resume walking. Eh. Zink does a half shrug. She doesn't control me. I don't care how much she huffs and puffs. Calissa chuckles behind her hand. <laughs> I'm assuming you seven will make a coven, yes? Calissa inquires. Don't you want to be on good terms with your future lead? Zink snorts. We will make a coven, Zink confirms, but she'll never be the head. Trevor is the strongest of our lot. Calissa's eyes grow wide. 
It's true. He's the smartest and strongest despite his jock looks and always thinking about girls. He's definitely lead material. He can get very serious when he needs to be. Then the saying is true. Don't judge a book by its cover and all that. Calissa hums as they start approaching her wing. She takes lead again and walks into her door. Well, this is me. I'm glad we got to talk. Zink admits. Pull out your phone. She complies. Here's my number. Just text me anytime. I will, she tells him. And as she waves him by and enters her room, she realizes she actually means it. He seems genuine, and she's going to cling to that friendship like a lifeline. It's something she's never had before, but desperately wanted. As she strips strips down and climbs in her bed, she cries. Only this time, it's not from sadness, but joy. Calissa spends the rest of the evening alone. She skips dinner and just eats the snacks in her room until the next morning. Waking up for classes seems like second nature, and she showers and gets ready. She heads to the cafeteria for breakfast, and now that she's eating her yogurt and some oats, here come some of the boys. Zink sits beside her and bumps shoulders with her. Leo sits across from her, and Chase sits beside Leo. Hey, Calissa, have a good night. Chase offers his greeting as he takes a large bite of the plain bagel. It was quiet, so yes, she replies in kind. Trevor comes up to the table and slaps Zink on the back as he sits beside the man. His eyes look tired. Oh, man, I'm so tired. (sighs) Trevor yawns. How did your smart people only meeting go last night? A few crumbs fall from Chase's mouth as he asks a question. Ew. Leo pushes Chase's shoulder. Chew first. Chase responds by showing his food to Leo. Well, it would have been good if not for the fact that Yaga never showed up. Trevor places his cheek on the table as he yawns once more. I had her do all of my work, plus her work. Dean Truman was a nightmare. She made us plan the entire calendar for the rest of the semester and next. Oof. Yikes. Brutal. Zink shakes his head. But Yaya was just in class with me. History. Well, she fucking bailed on her job as student council president. Trevor mumbles as he sits up to eat some eggs. She made me miss a date with Susie. I mean, big tits, Susie. Can you believe that? As he begins to eat, Abigail and Lear enter the cafeteria, and Calissa feels herself groaning. She doesn't want to deal with that chick so early in the morning. Oh, not Susie, Zink says dramatically as he clenches his chest. Leo laughs, and Trevor shoots him the middle finger. Yeah, yeah, laugh it up, big guy. Trevor eats more of his food. You're just jealous I actually get girls and you don't. Please. Zink waves his hand in a dismissive format. I could pull any girl I wanted. I choose not to because I have standards. Unlike you and Chase. Offended here, Trevor points to himself using his fork. Wait, you already had your calendar meeting for the whole year? 
Why plan the calendar so early? Don't you guys meet for that around October? Leo questions Trevor. Calissa looks to Zink and quietly asks him, what calendar? Oh, it's a school events calendar. Zink whispers right back. The student council plans out certain events for each age group, like any parties, group outings, things like that. Oh, cool. Calissa nods and tunes back in her Trevor explaining to Leo about why they had a plan so early. Dean Truman says she wants everyone, everything planned early because the 20-year-olds keep complaining about having to wait too long to see if their ideas can get approved or not. Trevor frowns into his toast. So now all the age groups are having to suffer? Calissa finds herself asking. Yep. Trevor smacks his lips together. I hate that woman. I know the feeling. Calissa mumbles to herself, but Chase hears, Oh? Chase tilts his head questioningly. You just got here, right? What did she do to you? As soon as Chase says this, Abigail walks up and sits beside Leo. Lear sits beside Abigail. What did who to whom? Abigail flips her hair as she questions. Calissa rolls her eyes and huffs. Typically, Calissa's a bit shy. But being around Abigail diminishes that shyness and brings out feeling Calissa has never experienced before. Untainted and undaunted anger. Asking why Calissa doesn't like Dean Truman. Chase says completely oblivious to the tension at the table. Calissa wants to shout, read the room, but she doesn't. Oh, then I'm interested in knowing as well. Abigail leans forward and stares down Calissa. It's really none of your business, Leo states to Abigail. If our dean is acting in a manner that makes the students feel uncomfortable, shouldn't we all know about it? Abigail blinks her eyes in a way that leaves Calissa's left eye twitching. She just wants to leave. Hey, Callie, let's go to our homeroom. Zink stands up. I'm done eating, are you? Calissa looks up from her plate and nods, silently thanking Zink for the distraction, silently confused as to the new nickname. Oh, and Abigail, stop trying to be a bitch at every turn. It's annoying as fuck. Abigail's face grows bright red as Zink leads Calissa as well away. Not too far behind, Leo catches up as he grabs a hold of Calissa's wrist before letting go. He looks to her with concern written on her face. You two ran off so fast. Leo looks to Zink, even though he's clearly talking to Calissa. I'm just glad to get away from Abigail, Calissa admits. My mom was so mean to me growing up. When I was seven, I remember her visiting me one day at my grandmother's house. My mom tested me, unofficially of course, and saw I was a pink. She beat me so bad. My grandmother had to perform a spell to bind my mother in order for her to release me. Jesus, Leo gasped. That's why, that's why you saw my grandmother turn the photo face down, Calissa explains to Zink. That's awful, Zink states as more kids start to cry the hallway. They walk into the empty homeroom classroom and the three of them sit together. 
Hey, when did you see a photo? Leo asks Zink. Calissa notices a smart call Zink's face. Hmm, when I was in Calissa's bedroom, Zink responds, and Calissa sees Leo's face fall into an annoyed grimace. Be serious, Leo deadpans. He is. Calissa laughs as she plays along. He saw my bedroom, and he saw my grandmother place the photo of my mother face down. Leo's blue eyes seem to darken just a bit. Interesting, Leo simply states, and Calissa can't help the giggle that bursts through her lips. Leo seems to like the sound as his eyes brighten a bit. Jealous freak, Zink snorts. I had a vision, man. Leo's mouth parts into an O for him. I figured that was it. <clears throat> Leo sniffs, and Calissa chuckles because she doesn't believe him for a moment. You two just seem closer today, though. Calissa now realizes that Zink was telling the truth. Even to a close friend, he won't tell anyone else's business unless they tell him to. People like him are rare. He's agreed to be my friend. Calissa feels childish even saying something like this out loud, but she's happy. Hey, I was your friend first. Just remember that. Leo tells her as other kids start trickling into the room. Abigail is one of those students, and she glares as hard as she can muster as she sits right in front of Leo. Leo, I'm glad we're in government class together today. Abigail turns around to talk. I did the homework. Did you? Leo groans. Oh, I forgot to even look on the portal. Leo admits, give me yours. Abigail giggles as she reaches in her bag and pulls out her notebook, taunting Leo with it. Calissa tunes out for the most of the homeroom period until the voice starts whispering in her ear again. It's time for you to join me. Calissa, I'm waiting. We're all here waiting. You can't deny it any longer. Hurry. Why are you sitting in class right now? You should be joining me. I'll come for you soon. Calissa jumps. She bangs her knee and doesn't pay any attention to Abigail and some others giggling. She gathers her bag and rushes out of the room, ignoring Professor Omer shouting her name as she goes. Her breathing is increasing and she practices her calming her calming methods her grandmother taught her years ago. She sits on the ground and hugs her knees to her chest, head resting in between them. She feels the hand touch her knees quick before being removed. A shadow covers her. Looking up with wet eyes, she grips her knees and sees Zink and Leah both looking extremely concerned. She wants to tell them what's going on. She wants to admit everything, but she can't. She clamps her mouth shut and wills her body not to run away. Leaning her head back against the wall, she closes her eyes. The voice has always said the same thing before. It's always been vague and distant, like that of an imagination gone wrong. Now, however, it said her name. It knew she was in class, and it said it was coming for her. Granted, realistically speaking, the voice could be teasing her. It might mean it might be nothing. She's a teenager, and in the middle of the morning, of course she would be in class. Doesn't have to mean anything, except... It probably does. Her hands begin to tremble like the rest of her. Was Zink right? Is there something after Calissa, her grandmother, was worried? Is that why Calissa is here?
for protection. But what can a school of mages do that her grandmother cannot? Why not let Calissa in on it? Deep breaths. Calissa hear Leo speak. Look at this. Breathe with this. She looks at the little object on Leo's phone as it gets bigger and then smaller. Again and again. It helps. It takes about... Three minutes, but she feels a resemblance of calm once again. She wants to contact her grandmother about this, but it's a secret she hasn't told anyone. She doesn't want to sound crazy. Thanks. She doesn't look to anyone in particular as she talks. She looks to the left and sees a professor poking his head out the door before quickly retreating after being caught. Shaking her head, she wants to get up but decides against it. Her legs feel like jelly. What was that? Leo's the one to ask. You just freaked and ran out of the room. I didn't freak. Calissa takes a deep breath. Look, the bell's going to ring soon. Calissa tries to stand. She's grateful for the help of Zinc. I should go to get to my next class. Let me walk you, Zinc offers. But Calissa shakes her head. She feels like a noose is not ready. It makes her want to cry. She just got friends, and now they probably think she's a freak. Great. I just need some fresh air. She gives a tight-lipped smile and walks away. No one calls out to her. No one follows. And for the first time, she truly welcomes the solitary. She walks to the front entrance of the school, where not a a lot of people are are around at this time. Walking a path to the woods, she stops and leans her head on a tree. Shaking her head, she feels her phone buzz and she startles at what she sees. A text from someone who shouldn't be messaging her. Calissa. <laughs> what was that? Calissa. Her name is called from a deep and familiar voice. She looks up from her phone and looks around. Concern etched all over her face. What are you doing here? She asks a six foot three man standing in front of her. The man has tan skin and brown eyes. You should be nowhere near here. Anyone could see you. There aren't any cameras in this spot. Her father, yes, her father lets her know. Remember, I grew up in this school. It's how I met your mother. I was going to hang around until nightfall, but I saw you come out just now. Truly lucky I am. Why are you here? She demands. No one is supposed to know her father is even alive. Orpheus Truman was sent to an orphanage a day after his birth. He was adopted at six months and grew up in London before transferring to the school when he was 13. He placed a yellow when Calissa was two. Before her memories could retain information, Orpheus was at a mall and was a victim of a terror attack. He was pronounced dead. A collapsed parking garage suffocated him. They had a funeral for him. They buried him, yet he didn't really die. The body was so mangled because of the damage, the cops went by dental records. Orpheus lost a few teeth. The man who was buried was some other poor soul who lost their life. Orpheus thought the fresh start would do him good. He and Brenda were on the rocks and talks of divorce were rampant. With him dead, there was no divorce. Brenda could get... His life insurance on life could keep going for everyone. Orpheus found Calissa and admitted that 
he's been alive the entire time. So if he also admitted that if Calissa were to reveal his secret, then he could go to jail for faking his death. And her mother might not have been able to return all the life insurance money that was long gone then. So keeping this secret was best. It is best. Calissa is convinced of it. Orpheus is a kind man. He likes to play jokes, laugh, and hardly takes anything serious. Calissa loves having a father. She's grateful to him for being in her life, even if it is merely in the shadows. He makes things seem less scary, less dire, like the world won't just end. Calissa feels free around him, like she can be herself. I'm here because you up and left without telling me, Orpheus explains to his daughter. Calissa makes an O face and laughs. I was going to tell you, but grandmother just decided things all of a sudden that didn't really have a chance, Calissa explains. She only gave me a two weeks notice as is. Well, I had to use a tracker for you, Orpheus opens his palm and a small blue light is shown, glowing translucent. He closes his palm. Had me worry. Sorry, she apologizes. I should have messaged you sooner. She bites on her bottom lip and contemplates if she should explain the voice or not. Hey, Dad, have you ever heard of a mage's hearing voices? His brows furrow as his face looks deep in thought. No, I'll look into that. He settles on saying. However, his face is now laced with concern. Are you hearing voices? He pats her on the shoulder before quickly removing it. Must be remembering it makes her feel uneasy. I... The bell rings, and she looks over her shoulder as kids start piling out everywhere. It's not safe to talk anymore. I have to go. I'll keep in touch. She begins backing away before he can even answer. She's so busy trying to get to her next class and avoid admitting the truth about the voices that she doesn't even see Abigail smirking with the phone in her hand. Things are about to get a bit more interesting.